Ari Rose, I'm here with another fun-filled episode of the Informer Cape Podcast. This is episode 275. Uh, we are going to talk about mantras that will keep 401k plan sponsors out of trouble. But of course, first things first, uh, go to that 401ksite.com for further information on all our uh, virtual and live events. End of January, we have a two-day virtual event. That should be all the fun and all the rage. Uh, then we're going to have... Um, live event May 3rd in Arlington, Texas, and I think it's June 7th, uh, that sounds about right, in uh, Yankee Stadium. Go to that 4 sign up, all that kind of stuff. You get the emails, you get to attend the virtual conference for free, otherwise you pay a couple shekels. Um, so the topic at hand, I'm not somebody who believes in luck anymore. I think when I was a kid, I kind of believed in luck, and I really don't believe in fate. Uh, fate is what we make of it. I think that Terminator movie kind of told us that. Uh, but our mostly, you know, the, our lives are driven by the choices, you know, we make. Uh, my teeth are slightly crooked because I didn't, you know, forgot to wear a retainer. Um, these are choices we make, and we, we have to, you know, Live with them. Uh, some good things, some bad things. And, um, you know, I have to say that a lot of my successes and, and, and many of my failures are the reason where I feel like some sort of success. You know, if I brought in a lot of business at that Fakapta law firm, uh, things may have, you know, things may be different and things may not be as good as they are now. You know, maybe the stress of working with these uh, Fakakta other attorneys, that would have, you know, led me to a earlier heart attack and, and, and death. Who, who the heck knows? But when it comes to, you know, looking at life, uh, my attitudes and whatnot shaped by the greatest person I ever knew, and that was my grandmother, uh, my mother's mother, uh, Rose, who has probably... Uh, know uh, through a lot of my writings is that, uh, you know, she was a Holocaust survivor and she had a, she lived a, I thought, a very exemplary life. Uh, she was, uh, I, I can never be half as good as she was because she was completely and totally selfless and I'm not. Um, so, you know, she was a very, she, she had, she had great perspective she knew things about people by just simple observations. Her, you know, she had the simple ideas of what was right and what was wrong. And you know, I one of these days I'm you know gonna write that third book. And I, I started writing it about two years ago, maybe. And it's all about you know each chapter would be a life's lesson, like a mantra, and the experiences that shaped it uh, and that has guided me through life. I, I don't know if I'll ever write it, but you know we'll see. There are many mantras that a 401k plan sponsor can follow, lead them from a, a path that will cost the, you know, that you know, that will cost them in fiduciary liability. Um, you know, there there are mantras that you follow, and, and you know, there will, you know, it's a, it's a certain situation. Uh, there is a path to take and the path not to take, and. I think the first mantra is, and I've always said it, you know, you're a plant fiduciary, you can minimize your liability, but you can never truly, fully eliminate it. 401k plant sponsor obviously wears multiple hats. Uh, you know, individual, you know, they can be the plant trustee, they can be the plant administrator, um, 
but obviously being a plant fiduciary means they're responsible for the retirement savings of their employees. Uh, of course, it requires the highest duty of care and law and equity. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, if I put all my money in with uh, Bitcoin and it goes down, you know, a few percent today, that's on me. But if I do that with other people's money, that's a problem. Because, you know, with other people's money, I have to be more responsible than I am with my own money. That's just the nature of being a fiduciary. It's, you know, the whole goes back to first-year property class. They talked about Baylor and Bailey situations where you give, you entrust somebody with your uh, materials and, you know, they have to, you know, take care of it. Uh, so, again, uh, you're going to be liable, you know, plant sponsors are going to be liable if they're irresponsible over the investments of their plant participants. Plant sponsors can certainly minimize fiduciary liability through good practices insurance, all that kind of stuff, but they can never truly fully eliminate it. So if a plan provider is claiming that they are eliminating all the fiduciary liability through a 338 or a 316 or a pool deployer plan, that's not really accurate. There's always going to be liability, no matter what you, what you know, you can delegate your fiduciary liability to a 338 fiduciary or a 316 administrator. Uh, you could delegate them, but you're still responsible for hiring them. Same thing with pooled employer plan. You can join a PEP, uh, kind of outsource that fiduciary liability, but if you pick the wrong PEP, um, you're going to have a problem. You're still responsible for picking, you know, which PEP you're going to join. So if you uh, pick a PEP that, uh, you know, guy embezzles millions of dollars, that, you know, I've seen that happen, uh, you know, once too many times, that's a problem. Uh, bad choices... Uh, that lead to bad outcomes are going to cost you. Uh, and regardless of whether you, you know, outsource that fiduciary liability, I think the plan sponsors need to realize that, and I don't think they do. Next on the hit list, a 401k plan, you got to remember that a 401k plan is employee benefit. Uh, I think too often people look at benefits and they concentrate on the wrong things. Um, you know, I, it's always a running joke. I worked at a benefits company that had terrible benefits. We had the uh, the guy running the place. I'm mean, the guy who was the running the day to day place. Clueless guy. Uh, I think his big deal was he was going to try to sell prepaid legal insurance to our employees, and you know I thought it was a piece of garbage. And uh, you know, being the malcontent that I was, I kind of told him to his face that it was worthless. And any employee that came to me because you know prepaid legal that came to me, I said it, it was completely and utterly worthless. And the people that did buy it realized that. So I was joking and mocking them. I said, you know, they should sell uh, dry cleaning insurance because, you know, in case the dry cleaner doesn't, you know, pick up a stain. I remember I had a Carlton Fisk, well, I still do, I have a Carlton Fisk 1981 white, uh, white Sox jersey. And if you remember anything about those White Sox jerseys back in those days, those are the ones where they actually had a collar. Um, so I would take it to the dry cleaner, he would clean it, and he wouldn't completely eliminate the stain. So the only way, you know, it's funny, I, I'm one of the few uh, talents I have is I'm very good at removing stains. So, you know, you take it to the dry cleaner, he takes it, and uh, I put it through the wash quite a few times, and I finally eliminated the stain. But, you know, again, I worked at a place with really, really bad benefits. Um, you know, if I work for companies... Um, 
and I was, you know, married in those days to somebody working for this in New York. Health insurance wasn't a benefit that I really cared about. I really cared about the 401k plan. So when somebody had a, a one-year eligibility or it was really with a bad provider, it kind of, you know, was a negative. You tell me there's a fully vested contribution, that's 5%. Wow, that's actually really, really good. Um, you know, again, uh, that law, that Fakopta law firm, the one good thing about it, uh, aside from the Diet Dr. Pepper that they would always stock in the fridge so I could drink as much soda as I want, uh, and there were pretzels and all that stuff, but outside of that, the one good thing was the 5% fully vested contribution. Uh, you know, plan sponsors treat a 401k plan as a, some sort of forgotten relative. Uh, employees are going to notice. Uh, again, uh, talking about that TPA uh, that I worked at with Lousy Benefits, uh, they took our plan that I was on a, that was on a platform that I really, really liked, and they moved it to a platform that I didn't like. And the reason I didn't like the platform because it was insurance company based, and it was an expensive provider that we were moving away plans from. You know, uh, we were moving uh, you know, the. Uh, the insurance company platform was for the smaller plans, you know, and they were charging 267 basis points for a Delhi Valley plan. I liked, you know, Matrix, Fidelity, Schwab. These were the platforms we were using. So they took our plan, moved it to the insurance company, and I was not happy. It didn't sit well with me. They tried to explain to me that, oh, we're not paying fees. I'm like, you know what? I'm not an idiot. I do this for a living. Don't try to con me and tell me that this insurance company's version of the S&P 500 isn't, you know, loaded with fees. There's a reason you haven't been signing a lot of business for this insurance company and whatnot. But it is what it is. Um, next on the list, plan sponsors really shouldn't go into business for themselves with their 401k plan. The 401k plan, again, is for the exclusive benefit of their employees. Uh, kicking the advisory work on a 401k plan to a firm affiliate with a bank, giving you a line of credit is, you know, my opinion, go into business for yourself. I, I think I've told the story a few times. We had an advisor. He was fired from a plan that we were the TPA on. He was rehired back. It turns out the new CFO was in cahoots with the broker on the plan and was getting a kickback of the advisor work. Uh, that's not good. That's illegal. That's a prohibited transaction. But, you know, there are a lot of things that may not be a prohibited transaction that are, 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 are problematic. I think, again, Kicking a 401k plan to the bank because they have your line of credit, that's just, that just gives the appearance of impropriety. And, you know, I, I live in a town where, you know, these local governments that give everybody a job to, to the relatives and friends, and it just doesn't look right. It doesn't sit right with me. Maybe I'm the last Boy Scout. But I just feel like things have to be done on the up and up. So when I worked at a union law firm and you know, they're telling me that they want to do an RFP and I'm ready to do an RFP by suggesting plan providers and then telling me, well, they just, the RFP is a sham because uh, they just want to keep the incumbent providers. That's a problem. It, you know, I'm all about keeping up appearances and, you know, avoid, you know, people going to business for themselves and doing not what was right for the participants, but the right for themselves. And, uh, you know, it just had this... Uh, you know, sanitation district. We have our own sanitation district in a town of 30,000 people. And, you know, kicking jobs to people here and there. It's just, it's just, you know, it doesn't look right, and I've always been against it. 
Next mantra, a government audit is a bigger threat than any 401k lawsuit. I've been in business for 25 years now, which is hard to believe. Uh, I think that plan sponsors are a lot smarter than they were 25 years ago. I could say the same about advisors, and, uh, other plan providers, and I think it's thanks to the internet. Forget about the social media nonsense that we see a lot. Um, the internet is really information at your fingertips. You know, back in the day, if you you know, wanted to find something, you had to go to the library and research it, and now everything's like at your fingertips. It's amazing. Um, you know, I was complaining uh, just this week uh, doing the FAFSA form for my son, and um, while it was annoying, it was better than using the FAFSA back in the day when I was going to school. Uh, and that was, you know, just pen and paper and making copies of tax returns and all that stuff. That wasn't funny. Uh, as far as you know, plans, uh, medium size, small size plans, they don't really have that threat of a litigation. You know, nobody's going to sue a $2 million plan and just try to recover a third or 40% of some kind of damage. You know, it's just, uh, they, they go after the big, the big pockets. That's the story. Uh, they don't really want to go after small potatoes, uh, a $2 million plan. I mean, what's worth a $20,000 settlement to them? It's not worth anything. It's not worth their time. The bigger threat is an IRS or Department of Labor audit. Uh, right now, I'm, I'm going through about four audits um, on the retirement plan side, dealing, uh, they all have a, kind of the same commonality, and it's a problem. Um, plans with catastrophic errors. Uh, and I'm not talking about, you know, random audits where the plans don't have catastrophic errors. Those aren't fun either. But um, those are situations where people discover problems. And when you discover problems, it's usually only on an audit and, you know, self-correction and all that kind of stuff. You're too late for that. So, you know, uh, an audit may become random because, you know, it's just random. Uh, it could be an error on the 5500 or a lot of times you could have a complaint. Um my worst DOL situations were as a result of complaints by plan participants who felt that they were aggrieved. And uh, what is unfair sometimes about the audit is it's the smoothness depends on obviously the client and the auditor. Just concluded an audit that started, I want to say, in July or August. I think it was July. And the auditor really wanted to find something. And he couldn't find it. I gave him all this information. He kept on requesting it. Towards the end, he says, well, you know, the plan passed, uh, failed the uh, uh, ADP test. And I said, yeah, I sent you the results. Well, they owe a CUNAC of $80,000. I said, well, not really. Uh, the uh, HCEs properly um, got refunds. And here's the 1099s for it. Uh, thankfully, that... Uh, I believe this agent uh, was sent, uh, as they say in wrestling, uh, he was featured and endeavored, so he's leading the service. But again, you know, plan sponsors, can, uh, plan errors can certainly be catastrophic, and, um, you know, that's why I think a government audit is uh, more problematic than anything you can ever uh, get from litigation. Um, you know, just unless you're a billion dollar 401k plan or hundreds of millions of dollars. Don't think you have that much to worry about. When you become big enough that, you know, 
you can't you know you can't get worried about well that's a problem next on the hit list Arisa 404 sees them a suicide pact when you know which always it, that's oh, I came up with that line it's based on something I heard in law and order where the Constitution's not a suicide pact uh, Arisa 404 C is one of those interesting most poorly understood topics in the 401k plans now, I grew up in this business in the 1990s, in the days where everybody wanted to be in Janus 20. Uh, it tells you how long ago it was. And when you were told that, uh, you know, you couldn't use index funds for 401k plans because they were too expensive. Uh, but, you know, thanks to breakthroughs in technology and mutual fund marketing, obviously the push came from daily value 401k plans where participants could direct their own investments. I started with pen and paper and telephone, and then we, you know, migrated to the World Wide Web. This is, you know, you can say all you want how plan participants are better off with advisors picking their investments on a trustee-directed plan, but that, that ship has sailed. I mean, that's that's uh, that's that's gone. You're not gonna you're not gonna win on that argument. But. You know, plan sponsors need to understand that ERISA 404C isn't a suicide pact. They actually have to do something for it. They just can't get this blanket, you know, protection because participants are directing investments. They need to know that they have to provide information to plan participants so that they can make informed investment decisions. You know, Pat, the HR director, giving me Morningstar profiles on funds that were picked 10 years ago doesn't help the plan sponsor out. Um, that's how I see it. And, uh, you know, I, I told her. Listen, this plan would be liable for any losses, you know, incurred by uh, plan participants. Of course, she fixed the plan. They picked the advisor that I recommended, but that's 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 life. Um, you know, that's that's <laughs> I've been basing my career on telling that story, but uh, I think it's important that uh, plan sponsors have to realize that they have a duty on the ERISA 404C, and that's working with an advisor that has investment policy statement, provide an investment education, meet regularly to review the plan, and see what they can do, and all that kind of stuff. Next, you get what you give the more, in, uh, in more ways than one. This is last and last but not least. Uh, a plan sponsor really can't be an absentee landlord. They need to be diligent. They need to remember why the plan, plan is there. Uh, it's for the benefit of employees. If you give your employee a good cost-effective form k plan, you'll get it back uh, in uh, retention as well as retirement savings for yourself and employees. Uh, I always believe you, you give it, whatever you give, you get it back in return. And then, you know, you, you help people out, they will help you. That's how I see it. And there are a lot of, you know, takers in this world that, don't do that and don't operate that. But, you know, I've always felt that, you know, the help that I've given to people has has certainly helped me out. And I think the plan sponsors need to realize that. Uh, you got to pay it forward. Put in a plan uh, that uh, is really good and you'll get it back. You'll get it back with employees that want to stay. Um, I'm not saying that you need a... 25% employer contribution to keep them to stay, but something uh, that, you know, doesn't feel like it's neglected. Um, you know, I, again, I worked at a place, and again, when we switched a plan over to that 
insurance company platform. Nobody said boo. Uh, when my buddy was let go because he was he had cancer and they wanted to put him on disability, nobody said boo. Only said boo when they no longer wanted to provide milk for the Keurig machine. Back in the day when the Keurig machine was a big deal. When I saw that first Keurig machine, I'm like, wow, that's that's impressive. Never thought that'd be in the home. But, uh, you know, you know, these benefits weren't important to these employees, but the milk for the coffee uh, certainly was. And you know, I, don't, I don't drink coffee, so it's, I, I wouldn't have cared. I don't drink milk either. My parents, uh, I was a big milk drinker. And I think about the fourth and fifth grade, they gave me 1% milk, and that cured my uh, appetite for milk. So anyway, hope you enjoyed this episode of the 4K Podcast. Next week's topic, uh, we'll see what it is, but uh, tune in next week. Go to that 4KSite.com. Next week, I know vacation is coming up, so I'm going to have to double record, I guess, because uh, I'll be in Florida for the last week in December. Uh, of course, my son thinks I'm StubHub, so I had a, already got the Ranger Lightning tickets and probably have to go to the Lightning Panthers game. And, of course, he wants me to go to a Buccaneers game, too. But anyway, hope you enjoyed this episode of that 4 k Podcast. And tune in next week for another fun-filled episode of that 4 k Podcast. Thanks.